0: Dearly beloved, I am that Efkin guy, and I am the host and celebrant of this podcast. Death is not the end. We're here once again today, at the gates of the great beyond, to chat to someone about the movie of their life. This movie, however, is probably one you've seen at a house party. There's more of a party vibe here today. Towards the end of the night, the whole thing is winding down. The party animals have gone to a raid they knew about in someone's barn in the middle of nowhere. The heavy drinkers have passed down the hedge outside the house. And the couple having sex in the spare room have sobered up and realised they have to wait a few weeks to find out if they should have used that prophylactic. That's right, it's time for Mono Rants. Hey, hey. How are you all doing today? Not too bad. we so were together at the end of the world, kinder. Uh, referencing podcasts that are no longer available. <laughs> As it feels now, it's all over.
1: Hmm, A bit of relief, I suppose. No more worrying about wages or working or mortgages. Just chilling. That's a good side of it.
0: Yes, we have Mono. We have Kira in the background helping out here.
2: Hello, lurking
1: as for yeah, usual. Yeah, I was going to say. Our resident lurker.
0: Yeah, uh, sadly we can only take one of your stories today.
1: That's quite all right. We've invited
0: Kira along to make fun of you. <laughs> can and will. So you're in part of the world where religion is kind of a big thing, um yeah, I suppose you could say that, so you're upbring religiously, how was it?
1: um mostly Catholic <laughs> um very well, yeah, very Catholic upbringing, but not like not stringent, not strict um my grandmother would have been the type to have gone to mass every day, my mum would still be so well, it's still shut up, cat. <laughs> You
0: got any cats here as well?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They in are Perth.
0: Uh, good, story. <laughs> Yay. Yay.
1: Um, yeah. No, my mum would have been and still is fairly involved with church. She like sings in the choir, We go to to mass regularly, but never really like made a big thing out of, out of it for us. We had had to go to mass as kids, you know what I mean? But once we were kind of teenagers, it was like, look, you're old enough now. Make your own decisions. Come to church if you want to come to church. Don't come to church because you have to. And um, it's a better attitude to have like, Because I'm an atheist now But I don't think anybody should be forced into religion It should be a choice Um, And as I grew up and as I was a teenager I kind of was fairly agnostic But would have described myself as like You know, spiritual, I believe in some kind of higher power And then just slowly transitioned over the years Into full-on atheist, basically not preachy about it. Like, uh, if people are want to believe in things, they're more than welcome to. It ha- I have no problem with people who want to find comfort in some kind of faith or belief structure, but it's just not for me. I just think when when it's over and done, it's over and done.
0: I mean, I have the whole thing of uh, I'm kind of jealous of people who do believe in it and have the afterlife to look forward to, it's like the, the backup plan.
1: <laughs> you know it would it would be nice, like, but I just don't think it's there. <laughs>
0: i only see the pearly gates standing here because uh the end of it all because i was brought up pretty vanilla uh, um the western idea of heaven pearly gates guy at a big podium book in front of him reading out your name but what's some of the variety i could be looking at because you're a uh, person who likes the old theology
1: theology mythology history but um yeah no i've i'm quite fond of mythology kira likes her demonology as well
2: oh i'm straight up theology (laughs) and all of that side of things (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're all linked together, and the core message of all of them is just be a good person and love each other. It's it's and what it's what Susie, kind of just the message that we just tend to live our lives by.
1: It's what Susie Izzard says: it's hang out and be groovy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that doesn't have to be a religious thing. That can just be a you know social that's just thing. Being a good yeah. person, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: just live your life the way you um, treat people the way you would like to be treated, and mm. and make the best of what you have
1: but in terms of afterlives a lot of the um i don't really like to use the term pagan because that was a roman term that that was supposed to be dismissive and derogatory but like polytheistic religions a lot of the ancient ones tend to have very similar afterlives where you've got um just an underworld you know you've got in greece or sorry in, in greek myth you have the underworld and it's kind of split into the elysian fields which is where the heroes and the important people go and then you've got Tartarus which is the ones who are really really bad go and get punished and then you just have the general underworld where people just exist as shades and Egyptian mythology would be similar with the duet yeah, and well, the field of reeds your soul
2: is either devoured and you don't pass on or you pass on to the field of, field of reeds mm. and into your next life
1: uh, wouldn't be as familiar with Norse myths but I do like the whole Valhalla. what I do like yeah, well, sorry, what I do know is, is that Oh, that's not one of ours. <laughs> it's
0: I lesser heard of Buzz that one. Ah. I think he's just pooped. <laughs> you'll, oh, you'll zoomies. find out soon enough, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, I, I like the the whole constantly fighting and getting reincarnated and eating and running out into battle again. If that's what your society is all about, I'm not really all that big on fighting. So I don't know how I feel about going to Valhalla, but. Um, not surprisingly, the afterlife that I've always been most interested in is a fictional one from Stargate.
0: <laughs> always comes back to Stargate.
1: So, But, yeah, no, pretty much. You uh, <laughs> do just... actually
0: run the, the number one Stargate podcast in the world at the moment. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's called cool. What the Fuck Do You Want? Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, no, in, in Stargate, there's this concept called Ascension and um, it draws from other concepts from within different world religions, but the whole thing is that um, a previous evolution of humans continued to evolve past where we are, and their brains got to a stage where they could shed slash convert their body into pure energy, and then just go off and explore all aspects of the universe and all planes of existence, and just get infinite understanding of the infinite universe around you and i was like that sounds like a pretty cool afterlife like fuck floating around in clouds with like because because christian heaven is just too complicated when you start to break it down because if it's supposed to be perfect everybody has a different idea of what's perfect and you know my idea is going to be completely different there's going to be people i really wouldn't want to see in the afterlife that might want to see me so how can those two heavens be compatible
0: and yeah uh, pretty much everyone's been on so far has been yeah surrounded by friends and family but nah, not not those people though just
2: would (laughs) you want to be stuck with them on a cruise ship for three weeks where you can't escape them yeah do you i want to see them in my afterlife
0: it's bad enough having a a, dinner for once every month
2: yeah
1: but but with ascension you can kind of have all of that and more because other people could also ascend and, and if you don't like the other people that ascend you can just fuck off to another part of the universe or plane of existence and just be like yo stay away <sighs> <laughs> oh, I suppose un- in that sense like that, that it's just mo- much more appealing to me the idea of getting to, to like a continued existence is nice because you know nothingness isn't well it's not anything but it's not it, it's not a particularly fun prospect for, for the end But, um, yeah, going on and being able to experience everything and understand everything in the whole wide universe, that would be
0: pretty fucking sweet. Indeed. So, along with the standard heaven and hell, there's plenty of gods and goddesses out there. Uh, Not going to go in-depth with them, because that would be another show entirely. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to ask you, um, instead of asking you uh, what God should be or what he stands for, because if you did indeed believe in him, you've got to that final destination. And if he takes time to see you, he obviously is on your wavelength with your beliefs me like she. But what does God look like to you?
1: Uh You know that episode of South Park where they find out that they're all... that All of Earth is a reality TV show?
0: I've not seen that one.
1: Alright, well, um they, they do this riff on Contact, you know, where uh, Jodie Foster's dad, or the alien, appears to Jodie Foster as her dad, and this alien appears to the boys as Randy, and they're like, oh, that's bullshit. And they make him appear as it's a, a giant... giant ice cream cone.
2: No, it's a giant taco pooping ice cream. I think
1: Is he, yeah, it's either a giant ice cream cone that poops tacos, or the other way around.
2: <laughs> Pretty sure he's a giant taco that poops like rainbow colored ice cream.
1: Um, I'd be with something like that. <laughs> Just <laughs> absurd, you know.
2: I thought you meant the actual depiction of God from the New Year's Eve 2000 episode, where he's the. Oh, he's got
1: like a beaver tail and like he's a, a snake. La- he's tongue a little and...
2: chimera of all sorts of things. He's got like a little hippo face. Um, and everyone goes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I quite like something like that as well. Just something unexpected or absurd, but also not threatening at the same time.
2: So, a spinning wheel with thousands of eyes that's on fire.
1: Um,
0: the poop tacos.
2: Yeah, biblical angel kind of. Stuff. Well,
1: well, you know, but I, I said not terrifying. Yeah, they were terrifying. <laughs> so unless it, like, I don't know. Be
2: not afraid.
1: Well, no, I was going to say, unless it offers me and allows me to smoke a couple of joints before it appears to me. <laughs> need to be chilled out before being confronted by something like that. No, we'll go with the ice cream the poops tackles.
0: <laughs> Good call. So today you're going to be uh, attempting to get into heaven by relaying to us the movie Your Ascension, Life. Attention, surely. Yes. However you see it, really. So yeah, you're going to give us seven tracks. I will do my best. Uh, tell us the story of your life through those tracks so we can envision the movie because you know this is an audio format firstly a bit of a bonus for you because you're in uh, you're, you have a movie show uh, you get to choose a director to shoot this movie of your life Ooh. so who are you gonna go with um apart from mm. UV Ball because he's gone to the other place He's having a five insane at the moment.
1: But you know, I might go along similar lines and pick Paul W.S. Anderson. We've done enough of his films on the podcast. I suppose Neil Jordan would be a good pick as well.
2: Or Neil Gaiman. Any of the Neils, really. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Neil (laughs) Buchanan?
1: Yes.
2: No, 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 no. Pat (laughs) Buchanan.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) From Art Attack? (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Wait. No.
0: That's Neil Buchanan.
1: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is Neil Buchanan. Pat no, Pat Buchanan was your man from... Um... He was a politician, wasn't he? No, he wasn't he your man on Funhouse?
2: Oh, with the mullet and the twins. Pat yeah. Sharp.
1: Pat Sharp. <laughs> That's who I want to do it. So, the
0: moderate movie, directed by Pat Sharp. And quickly, just before we do the movie, give a plug to your podcast, because we didn't do it earlier on. Where can we find you? He wants you to do it. What? Go on. Yeah. Go on.
2: I don't know the address. Go on. <laughs> I never do it. I don't know the scripts.
1: There is no script. It's just me waffling about where you and can I have totally wandered
2: off at this point because I have the attention span of a shrew.
1: No, you can find us on most podcast hosts, but apparently not iHeartRadio, as I just discovered and haven't managed to remedy yet, but you'll find us under Mono Rants at the Movies or Mono Rants the Boys, and we cover random shitty movies that everybody else thinks is garbage but we love most of which we have seen or watched at some point at house parties and then we cover Amazon TV superhero show The Boys and you can find us on Twitter at Rance and that's about it
0: <laughs> good 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 so one of you ready cue us up for the first song and start your movie To keep them separated. There
1: we go. I love that song. So, on August 17th, 1985, the world turned upside down and inside out, and I was born screaming in Ireland. My birth had very little to do with it, as the earth turns upside down and inside out on a daily basis, but I was now in the world. And I couldn't think of a better song for my early years than The Offspring's Come Out and Play. For a number of reasons. Um, the obvious one being the name. I, I now exist. <laughs> but I listened to a lot of The Offspring and like Nirvana and Metallica when I was like... I don't know. But this is some of the earliest musical memories I have. Like so, three, four, five, my brother and my sister were listening to it. And therefore I listened to it. And I would have run around singing this song. Word for word, having no idea what it meant, <laughs> no clue at all that it was about gun violence in America, uh, about poor young kids getting like sucked up and, and spat back out by just all the horrible shit going on over there, and, and little old Mono was running around singing it at the top of his lungs with utter glee. And it kind of fits because I had a I had a very happy childhood. Um, it was just me, my brother, and my sister, and my mum for. Again, most of my memory, because my dad left when we were very little. And um, I never knew that I had anything other than a normal childhood. Um, Even though I didn't, in the sense of, had a a single-parent household. My mum didn't work for the first couple of years. She went back to work when I was probably about 10 or 11. Um, So we spent a lot of the time below the poverty line. Again, not something I ever realized until I was about 17 or 18 and I realized that um, one of the local uh, Irish charities called St. Vincent de Paul used to always give us stuff around Christmas time and help us out throughout the year. And I thought it was just because my mom knew somebody who worked for them, which she did. But they also only help people below the poverty line. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I never would have known. Like, I knew I didn't get, like, you know, I didn't get the fancy presents at Christmas that some of my other friends got but then I also knew I got stuff for Christmas and I knew there were kids who didn't get stuff for Christmas or you know it's, you can use that example for anything throughout the year like or just throughout my childhood but I was always aware of well not aware but I was always taught to be happy with what I had um, and I think for my mum a lot of that may have come from a place of guilt because she was um, hyper aware probably growing up that we didn't have things that other families around us had but as a testament to her, none of us, not me, not my brother, not my sister, ever knew we grew up in anything other than a loving household where we had everything we needed, like, you know, hmm. and um, that kind of fits with that song as well, because there's a little mono running around singing that having no idea what it was about, little me was running around having a great time, having no idea that there was, not that there was anything wrong with it, but that. That I was experiencing something that a lot of other people didn't experience in that being below the poverty line and coming from a single parent household. Um, but as I say, I was always kind of taught to be thankful of what I had until, you know, angsty teenage mono rolled around. <laughs> And I joked with you about uh, if I came on, every single song would be Korn's Freak on a Leash. (laughs) (laughs) And I really, really, really wanted to use a new metal song. But in the end, I chose uh, Vast, which would have been, while I had listened to many angsty artists growing up, this was the first artist that I like latched onto when I became angsty. (laughs) And I started listening to him around the time that I, I probably would have been, Thirteen, um, and and the angst came on strong for me, and I was a very, very new metal teenager. <laughs> um, but I had—I mean, I did. I suffered. I suffered from depression. I still do to a certain degree. I was a lot worse as a teenager, but my mind never let me um, agree with myself if that makes any sense and and this song was one of the ones that always stuck with me because um aside from it being very very easy to relate to in in that lyric right there that's playing of wishing to hide from everyone and everything the song also starts with a, a plea to be noticed and to have a connection with somebody and i felt like that through a lot of my teenage years of being kind of very different from everybody else, and wanting to get away from everybody else, and also wanting to be belong to something. And uh, I got, I got pretty bad. I never got suicidal. And again, this is the, this is the thing of always appreciating what I had and knowing that things were worse for other people. Was that I beat myself up a lot as a teenager, um, because. I'm getting unexpectedly emotional, sorry. <laughs>
0: it happens. Um, yeah, no, I just...
1: I always thought that, yeah, I've got these problems and I feel like shit. But there's people who are way worse off. There's people who have no parents. There's people who have no homes. There's people who have drug addiction problems. There's people who have attempted suicide, who who have committed suicide, who are dealing with family members who have committing suicide. And here am I. I... I have a house over my head. I have a loving mum. I have a, a loving family around me. I, ha- I do have friends, but I can't stop feeling like this and I always I just felt at war with myself for a lot of my teenage years and when I did have connections I found I like particularly romantic ones I had two kind of long term girlfriends when I was a teenager and I was a clingy motherfucker Um very very clingy and it all kind of probably ties in together but um Towards the end of my teenage years, well, I can't remember when exactly, but I used to self-harm and things got quite bad with the self-harming. As I said, I never quite approached suicide attempts or anything, but there were stages where I couldn't even roll up my sleeves, uh, like anything above my wrist. I couldn't let people see. I couldn't even button down my shirt if I was wearing a shirt because my arms and my chest were just absolutely covered. Like, And uh, somebody in school saw, told the teacher, got back to my mum and my mum did absolutely everything she could for me to just get me okay she took me to therapy she took me to five different therapists because I didn't like any of them um, eventually we found one that worked and helped me through some stuff and I started to realise I wasn't as alone as I thought I was I wasn't as different as I thought I was and that that war that goes on inside is something that a lot of people have Um, so this would have been towards the end of my teenage years started to get into college started to get into a a fairly good place knew i was still weird and different but was quite happy with it um broke up with the second of my kind of long-term girlfriends was going into my second year in college and had become the events officer for the students union so i was like yes i'm gonna be the guy who's organizing all the gigs i'm gonna be the party dude it's time to be a man whore for a year It's time to not be clingy, Nile. It's time to be like just party, Nile. And
0: uh, did you book corn?
1: I I did not book (laughs) corn. The first act, the first act that I booked was uh, a band called the Camembert Quartet, who did silly songs, and they played on international talk like Pirate Day, and played a whole lot of pirate (laughs) chanties. But uh, Yeah so there I was Second year of college um, All set to, to go in And, and just be Man whore mono And cue this song And this lady to my left Hello <laughs> Showing up Out of nowhere
2: No not really out of nowhere We dogpiled on you In front of the bar Because I was <laughs> friends With all of your friends But yep. we hadn't met each other For an entire year Yeah Literally the exact same friend group, which was very bizarre. we had actually been at a number of the same gigs yep. with the same friend group and just never come into contact with each other.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was extremely bizarre.
1: Um, and I'll touch on that a little bit later at one of my other song choices. Um, but this song in particular, um, I would have gotten into this artist around the time that I met Kira as well. And it's just about finding somebody unexpectedly after a rough period <laughs> and nah, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit like there kind of like you know fate and stuff in there which I wouldn't really go in for I'm not a person who believes in fate or destiny but I do believe in things not that I believe in things but I'm aware of the fact that if things move slightly differently anybody could be in a very different position in their life like um, and it was something I considered because me and Kira hit it off straight away, hooked up the first night we met, and then the next day, um, had a chat and we we're like, "Look, we really like each other." But I was like, "I kind of want to be a man whore," <laughs> and and I don't, I really really like you and you're an awesome person and I don't want to ruin a potential friendship over that. And Kira was also. I have a similar opinion for different yeah, reasons.
2: I'd, I'd, yeah, I had been with somebody for like the first year of university and was like, no, I want to be on my own. I want to do my own thing. I just want to focus on this. And yeah, I got hit with a fucking breeze block.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I went, okay, yeah, we had this conversation and I was like, fair enough. We'll just, we'll kind of we'll go our friends. separate ways we'll and be friends.
2: Out. I started helping you with the entertainments. Uh, the aunt's office
1: side of things Yeah. oh well that hadn't even happened because no. two, two days later I, I was like right time to be man again and um, hooked up with another girl and you saw and became I nearly punched the head jealous. off her in the car park I nearly
2: punched the fucking <laughs> head off her in the car park I and couldn't, I couldn't I, me and her couldn't be in the same room for about six
1: months <laughs> I know <laughs> and while um, the, the girl that I hooked up with had really wanted to get with me and i was kind of like i just want to be a man whore um but i was also thinking in the back of my mind i kind of don't want to be a man whore i, I kind of actually really like this first girl an awful lot so the next day the net, literally the next day we were hanging out all day doing events officer stuff promoting the, the gigs and, and whatnot and went to a gig that night and got a little bit cozy got a little bit cuddly and was like right well, we I, I, met,
2: I lived on campus whereas you didn't and I was like oh yeah it's grand you can stay in my place tonight because you're going to be there really late it's after the bar closes because you had to make sure that the venue was signed off on for having like loaded out and I was like oh yeah come and stay in mine and you were like oh yeah I'm gonna go and sleep on the sofa in the other room and I was like no you're not <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You're uh, in here." I was like I don't know about that like we, we had this, this conversation and she was like no and I was like well look if, if I get in that bed it's because I, I want to get with you and, and like I know I said I wanted to be a man whore but I think yeah I, I actually want to get with you because at the end of the day I was like I could run off and, and sow my wild oats and never see you again and then end up living to regret it or we can give this a shot and see what happens and if it doesn't work off then I can go and sow my wild oats but uh, evidently <laughs> it, it worked out yeah uh, and that song is one that always just reminds me of, of us meeting. Because that's one of and, the
2: first show, gigs you took me to was to see Book 65. Yeah. Um, in Temple Bar? Uh,
1: it would have been Temple Bar. Yeah. And cue um, us doing everything together. And from then on <laughs> um, We didn't have the same course, but outside of lectures, we were always together. Anytime we were doing anything to do with the Students' Union, we were always together the whole way through it, second and third year and then in third year I was like college is finishing I think I'd like to fuck off out of the country for at least a year New Zealand sounds cool uh, I know some people have gone over there I think I'm gonna fuck off to New Zealand and I said it to Kira and she was like do you want me to come with you and I was like yeah if you want to come with <laughs> and uh, we decided to go to New Zealand when we graduated and the next song that I chose doesn't have any real deep meaning for us. I just It's a New Zealand band. Uh, and it just captures the vibe, I think, of, of everything that we did and of the experience that we had over there. And it's Catch a Fire, Bounce. And uh, oh, New Zealand's just such a fucking cool country, man. <laughs> and it was, it was such a great time for us. Everything that we did over there was fantastic, but it was also kind of like our first big stress test for the relationship, because we were the other side of the world, didn't know anybody else, and while we had been spending an awful lot of time together, this was 24-7, no break, <laughs> no chance of escape. <laughs>
2: Living together.
1: And um, no, it worked out pretty well. I mean, we had, we had rough patches at the start, like it was just defining boundaries in terms of like, you know... Um,
2: you had a lot of my mental health issues to deal with as well, because a lot of I had a lot of control issues that I had to let go of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of, it was shitty on you, because you were also dealing with my breakdown while we were there.
1: Well, yeah, but it was a choice that I made. Yeah. And I knew you well enough at that point. We had been together two years. Yeah. It wasn't like I was going in blind and you got to New Zealand and you went, by the way, it's not just all these rucksacks. I have a whole lot of other baggage I brought with me. <laughs> a lot of it got left there, thankfully. Um, yeah, no, we had... we. I won't say... It wasn't a rough period or anything like that, you know what I mean? But we, we started to have, like, fights here and there that we wouldn't have had before. Um, but we were all, we've always been very, like, communicative. Um, Talked through it all. Ended up working together over in New Zealand as well. <laughs> uh, started working in the same Irish bar. And... Um, yeah, within the first few months, we had worked through kind of any of that stuff, and it just became this real chilled out year that we spent together. And uh, there's a couple of lyrics in this song that do fit about like uh, rolling with the rhythm and um, getting pulled into a place where all negativity seems to exist or ceases to exist. And uh, yeah, New Zealand is just this, just especially the time that we were there. The whole vibe of it was just this real freeing thing because we were so far away from anybody we knew we met we met a couple of people from ireland met a really really good mate over there who happened to be irish met a whole lot of other awesome people and just just had a blast the whole time we were over there you know what i mean never never got anything too serious um we we kind of looked at staying there for a bit longer and decided nah we should maybe go home after the air and try and uh continue on with like education because over there would have been quite hard to do. Our mate was trying to get residency over there and it was a stressful time for him getting it's all the residency. It's residency a lot harder to do Because we had just been over there on the year working visa, it's we were just it's just bar work and like fruit picking and all that sort of shit. So they only let people stay who have real jobs. And we didn't have real jobs. So we were like, let's not stress ourselves out, let's just spend the time that we're here. Continuing to enjoy it. And uh, it was, it was a fantastic experience. I'd recommend everybody visit New Zealand. I'd recommend everybody young do something like that and fuck off. I mean, we didn't, it's not like we were even that adventurous, you know what I mean? People would fuck off to South America, China, India, places where they didn't speak the language. But we were like, I don't fancy the language barrier. (laughs) I don't speak any of those languages.
2: And also the less deadly option, too, because there's. Compared to Australia. New (laughs) New Zealand, there's no poisonous. Snakes or anything like that. So, you know, going to the bathroom isn't a life or death journey.
1: Yeah, no, it was a lot closer to to what we were used to in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> but the year passed, and we decided to come home and try and and you know either go back into further education or make something of ourselves. But that was two thousand and eight.
2: Going into two thousand eight. global recession
1: time. <laughs> so, uh, just spent a year or two bumming around. Uh, working in various retail jobs and hospitality jobs and things like that. And then from what, the end of
2: 2011? In and around then,
1: yeah. Um, decided to try and do something I hadn't done before with a mate and open a business. And it was an experience. <laughs> um, well, the and they say... Pauser.
0: Experience.
1: They say don't go into... into business with your friends and family and um, especially
2: not when that person's a sociopath
1: yeah I would say don't go into business with a sociopath uh, because that's what I did and um, it it didn't end too well I spent about a year and a half doing it burning myself out and running myself into the ground and doing absolutely everything I could for this business and that's kind of where this song comes in Um, more to do with the aftermath but I suppose I should give a little bit of backstory because it was, I suppose it would be another fairly, fairly major event in our life Because we thought, right, we're going to start this business It's a really good idea We've got somebody who, who's got a good thought out plan But needs to, get, to kind of build this network around them So we knew a lot of people We got a lot of people involved Friends and family, investors <laughs> Basically, I, I made all the mistakes And my now brother-in-law came to work for me Some of my mates came to work for me My brother came to work for me and after about a year and a half for whatever reason um, this guy had slowly been starting to turn me against everybody uh, just small subtle ways um, and I don't know where it came from maybe it was a thing that he thought I had been getting too many people involved and was worried about control because he's definitely a man who's concerned with control um, he started to get me to turn on people around me um, some ways I wasn't proud of mostly I managed to resist it and I think I managed to resist it too much because he ended up just sidling me out of the company and I was left after a year and a half with no job for me no job for Kira because she had gotten involved in it um, my mum was out money because she had invested, Kira's parents were out money because they had invested thankfully my brother hadn't invested money or quit his job over it but um, it was something that he was hoping he could make something out of as well Same with my brother-in-law He was out of a job But he was working for us on a kind of contractual basis And had other stuff lined up So I didn't feel too bad But yeah, there was some stuff there, as I say, I'm not too proud of um, But I got siled out And I was like Felt pretty useless <laughs> I was like, right, well I've after to button All of my effort and a whole lot of money and and other people's money into it and i'm after fucking myself over in a really really big way here and i don't know how how to move forward um i felt like i had failed a lot of people and um i knew i needed to get back to work because i needed money so i got straight back into work and just doing whatever i could um but a lot of times when i started in new places i just kept feeling like I'm going to fail at this fucking thing too because I failed at the last thing and it took me a long time to kind of realise um, no, maybe it wasn't just you <laughs> and, and yeah, the whole sociopathic business partner might have had a, a bigger role to play than anything you did and um, this song is all about change um, well, to me it is at least anyway I don't care what Mainnet says or thinks <laughs> or any of other Tool fans um, They think a lot I'm like, I know there's a young Ian they do and I know there's Jungian theory in there and I know there's stuff about chromosome patterns and I don't care this song is a change and I slowly started to realise that mm, no A it wasn't my fault B I'm quite capable of things and C I didn't actually need any of the shit that I was trying to get when I was setting up the business I didn't need a big important job I didn't need a big pay packet I didn't need a fancy car or any of that sort of shit I just needed to be happy with who I was and, and happy with what I had and and I started to look a lot more at what I had around me and what I had to be thankful for and once again the lady to my left played a big part in that. A in, in supporting me through it all but also in being the thing that I had to be thankful for and and realizing that she was the only thing that I kind of wanted to have in my life. <laughs> You know, in in that long term. Like as I say, could give a fuck about a big house or a big car or a fancy job or fame or fortune or any of that stuff that I might have been concerned with as a teenager or as a young adult. And it it did take a while, but I I eventually started to change and started to grow and I was in danger of falling back into teenage angsty me and I didn't want that to happen at all. <laughs> um because I think Life should be about change and growth and making yourself better. And not in any sort of, you know, outward way that that impresses anybody else. Just literally just for yourself. And um, there's, a, there's a friend who we'll probably mention. And I think we mentioned on our last... Oh, in fact, he was one of the clones. Bren. Bren. Uh, <laughs> who we, we met Brian in college and it became a massively close mate but his philosophy on life would have very much informed our later philosophy on life of just kind of some of the things I've said of just being happy with what you have and not being concerned with what's going on around you and this song is a lot longer than I remember <laughs> I
2: like it as well it was- there's so many societal pressures that you grow up, you go to school, you get the job, you get the car, you get the house, and it's like all these milestones that you have to tick. Yes. It's like in the game of life, you have to do all these things. Mm. And it's with breaking the mindset of what society expects of you yeah. versus what you actually want. And you don't need all the fancy stuff to have to be happy. Mm. I know plenty of people who have the, the job and the car and the house and the kids and a couple of holidays a year and they're still not happy Yeah, because their solution is more. If I get this thing, I'll, I'll feel better. If I get this thing, I'll feel better. Instead of being happy with what they have and who they are and who they're surrounded with.
1: Yeah. And I think I was, it it took it was a lesson that took me a while to learn uh, and, and setting up the business and, and everything that I went through with it was how I learned that lesson <laughs> um,
0: yeah it says like when you were growing up you didn't know you didn't have stuff you were happy and now you're sort of at the point where you think you need stuff that you don't yeah getting to that point of I don't need yeah that. I had
1: I had graduated I had gone to New Zealand I had come back it was like now now adult life is time to start and and my first big attempt at adult life was a massive failure as far as I could see and it took me a while to get over it but I did and uh, not too long passed for me to take to get over it. Maybe I don't know a year to a year and a half because mm. the next big event.
2: The first time you got promoted when you changed jobs.
1: Um, that would have definitely helped mentally in terms of my confidence in my ability around mm-hmm. work. Um, but in terms of changing my mindset about what I wanted out of life, um, came not long actually. Well, I, I had a small realization before I got booted out of the business, but. It slowly, slowly got bigger and bigger as time went on, and leads us into the next song, and that is when I proposed to Kira, and our well, it's kind of a little bit of everything of the proposal, of the wedding, and very soon after getting a house, about well, two
2: years after, which was a whole other issue, <laughs> <laughs> but that as well was like we'd always rented, so we didn't have any sort, of... we never had a secure home. Yeah literally I think three months before we got married we were told that we were the house we were renting was being sold out from underneath us and we were going to have to leave yeah which thankfully didn't happen but for about two months we didn't know if we were going to have somewhere to live and there was no stability so we had gotten to the stage where we were like I don't care what I'm doing as long as I have a home and the people I want to have around me yeah that became our priority was having a fixed place that we could just exist in and be happy in
1: yeah and it, the first thing for me with that for, for building that with Kira, was getting married and apparently it was just for the legal reasons <laughs> the legal <laughs> surety of it
2: no we had watched um, actually we we'd, we got married um, and our friend Brent actually passed away not long after it mm. and we, he had been sick the whole way through it um, watching his struggles with that helped solidify a lot of it because have it, having his wishes respected mm. became a huge struggle between the family and kind of his friend group. We had been the people who looked after him the whole way through. Mm. We didn't meet a lot of his family until the week before he passed away. We'd yeah. never come across them, and we'd been with him every day. And they were the ones who were trying to dictate it and not the people following who were closest his to wishes. Him. Yeah. So they there was a huge part in that to have things like final legal say have. A bit of security that if something had happened to either of us, that what we wanted to happen would happen.
1: Hmm. But
2: which is like really weird and fucked up and morose, <laughs> and a lot of this song is really morose. This was our first dance song. Um, yeah, this was this was a the, this was the
1: song that we we did our first dance <laughs> to. And it it's well, it's for some people it's a really obvious choice of like a love song, and for others it's a really weird one because a lot of the lyrics in it are not ones you would expect because. Ben Foles talks about like, oh, what if I was born 50 years before you went on the same street and saw you going past would I know um, and that line in particular always resonated with me because of what Kira had mentioned when we got together we had been to loads of the same gigs together throughout school festivals we had the whole same friend group in college but didn't meet until the second year and then as things went on like, it was a very flippant decision for Kira and me to go to New Zealand together. It was just like, do you want to come? Oh, yeah, cool. We'll go together.
2: Yeah, because you're like we 19 did... and unstoppable. And and not... I was like, what the fuck can happen
1: to me? Not, not completely flippant, because we did consider, oh, yeah, we're going to be living together and then we might have to work out some of this stuff. But um, it could have. she could very easily have said, oh, no, I don't really want to go. We'll hook up when we come back and then we might never have gotten back together. Um. Kira coming into the business with me as well and everything, the the, the way that whole stuff went down could obviously have turned out a number of different ways Um, but through it all I feel like, this is what I said earlier about not really believing in fate or destiny but everything in my life and everything in Kira's life have just been a series of choices that have led us to get together and get to where we are today Um, not in a predestined sense, just in a, I appreciate how fragile that is that any one thing could have massively changed and we would never have met or we might have split up. But we've always managed to make the right choice in that sense. Like, not I mean, obviously, there would have been wrong choices I could have made, but um, I just, this song always makes me appreciate that. That. <laughs> that. Right there basically um, And I'm always happy to hear it um, I it didn't really mention the house there But a lot of what Kira was talking about Was why we wanted the house as well To have that charity And that that, that was We realised all we needed was Ourselves And somewhere to be
2: Yeah somewhere <laughs> that Wasn't going to suddenly disappear out From underneath us
1: And we were very lucky in that regard as well um, Still sticking with the last song Because we, we got help you know what I mean? I didn't buy this house purely by my own. You know, I I, I didn't buy it purely on my own. My my mum helped, Kira's parents helped with the deposit because that's the hardest thing about buying a fucking house in this country. <laughs> Um, so we were very lucky to get that and, and it's not a, a fancy house but it's a house and it's all we need
2: it's an old creaky house it's full of weird shit none of <laughs> the doors are straight none of the walls are straight and there's I pulled a wire out of a wall and all the power went out but luckily that wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> like it's weird and it's creaky and I'm pretty sure yeah, it's we haunted met, like, but it's like, our house
1: we went to get we went to get a flue installed in the chimney, and the guys who installed it were like, you know, you have a, no no chimney flue. Part. We were like, what? We were like, oh, well, we've, you've hired us to install a liner for your flue, but you don't have a flue. You just have a massive, like gaping four hole. foot by two foot gaping hole in the middle of your building. That's a <laughs> chimney. We were like, what? So that's our house, but we love it, and it's our house. And and you the other thing
0: where there's a heavy rainfall, you're like, oh. <laughs> around the house listening for little drips around the place? Is that, yeah, is, is yeah. that a leak in the roof? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes it is oh,
1: great. Why does that thing look slightly different today Compared to yesterday And is it something that's going to cost me a lot of money Has but, that
0: crack always been there
1: <laughs> But I don't care Because I have care, And I have my cats And I have a roof over my head And I don't need much more than that And that kind of relates to the next song Kind of doesn't Because the next song is just about Us going forward Because the last two years. We did nothing during the pandemic except for fucking work. And then when everything started to open back up, we were like, hey, let's start a podcast. <laughs> so we did. And we've had an absolute fucking blast doing the podcast for the last nigh on two years. Met a bunch of awesome people, yourself included. And I think, I mean, we've been in and out of work. We've done a year and a half of nights, which were fucking shit. But, um we've been remarkably been positive or been remarkably positive through it all mm. I mean we still have like down periods but by and large the last year or two has been um, categorised by not good things happening to us but just not shit things happening to us because for a while it felt like it was just after the, the setting up of the business it took us a long time to get our feet back under us again you know and this song although it is very new um, and my love for this band Is not very new But relatively new um, It just really captures for me This kind of positive energy That I've had in the last year or two And this band are full of positive energy And full of positive lyrics And it might not strike you Off the top of your head Especially because he's talking about Running for his life there But um, I mean there's a lot of shit In the world today An awful lot of shit in the world today But there's not awful lot of good as well and there's an awful lot of people working really hard out there to improve and while we need to make some big strides to make some big changes in terms of things like climate change and whatnot, there's definitely a lot of hope still out there and uh, this band captures that, this song captures that and that's kind of my general feeling for the future Um, things get better (laughs) things get better I mean things can be shit for a while uh, but if you look at like the general course of history, things have mostly gotten better.
2: <laughs> Everything returns to the mean.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like think it
2: swings, but it will always return.
1: Yeah, and I think that yeah, just things are slowly getting better. Um, certainly in my own life, at large, if you lo- if you look in the right places, especially being on Twitter, it can be hard to see it. But <laughs> even on Twitter, if you look in the right places, you will see. The, the Hope for the World and the, the title of this album and it's the title of the album as well, as well A Kiss for the Whole World I think just kind of sums it up because um, I think t- things like that are you know what I mean when you find something even even just my outlook now when you find things like that and when you have when you get a realisation that, that no this is, this is all I need and this is who i am and this is what i need to be happy um it just i don't know it just it's very much just going kind to of change my view and, and and makes me very positive for the future and this song is a very positive song so i chose it
0: <laughs> now if you're making a mixtape this uh, the the final final song is like a massive like no no having the same band
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well see you know i was torn I was torn between the song that I chose and the song that's coming next, um, and I sent I I I chose a kiss for the whole world, and I sent you on the list, and then you were like, "That's only seven songs." I said, like, "What now? <laughs> like, you need a last song." <laughs> Sweet, no, I don't have to choose <laughs> because I was really torn because um, while uh, a kiss for the whole world wasn't really about um, endings and was more about like going forward, this song is. Kind of about endings, kind of not, um, but it very much sums up our philosophy. Is not the right word, is it?
2: No, this is our happy space.
1: Yeah, so this is Shinrin Yoku, which I only discovered yesterday. Is the Japanese idea of forest bathing. It's the nearest translation, and it's just appreciating the forest around you you know I mean like kind of meditating in nature not doing anything just just sitting in it and, it and soaking it up and yeah. we have a pretty big garden here in the back of the house and it's one of the things that we love the most about the house and one of the things we do a lot is just sit in these lovely little singing swinging hammock chairs that we have that are hung off a tree and just sit there and just listen to the birds and the bees buzzing around us and the horses in the field behind us and just absolutely enjoy the, the list of things that are around us. Um, it's a really peaceful feeling and um, it's often one of the things that, that we enjoy the most and want to do the most when summer rolls around. It's like I can't wait to get those hammock chairs up and just sit in them and do nothing. The amount of times
2: you found me asleep out there because these hammocks, you tuck yourself up into them so you're swaddled and you're hanging from the tree and you get the breeze coming through and it's warm and there's birds and you can hear the pond Mm. and the frogs. And yeah, I always end up dozing off out there just because I enjoy it so much. It's incredibly relaxing. And And you always feel refreshed afterwards and kind of reset and it is very much a mood enhancer.
1: And the... The early half of the lyrics to this song Just really summed that up so well And and Rue Reynolds is just An amazing lyricist And I would highly recommend everybody Listen to this song But particularly read the lyrics to this song That just cut <laughs> kind out of
0: Still there? Still blank here
1: Dean? Hello oh, I lost you there I have the song back on no, our There's audio a clap
2: about.
0: of lightning out there Oh shit what was Thanks I saying? Inspiring, going to Valhalla instead. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: uh, so This yeah, no. is the
0: song for the ending of your story. So, how is the ending going to be? Um, in the hammocks, in the trees.
1: In in the hammocks, and this is where the second half of the song comes in. And while I talked about at the start of um, wanting ascension as, as as my ending, I would love to just be able to spend. The rest of existence contemplating existence <laughs> and um, I don't really care how the world goes out so long as I have Kira beside me and if there is an afterlife and it's one like I've described and I can experience it with Kira, that's all I want. I as I've grown up, I've been less concerned with you know, the the, the, the personal why are we here and, and what do I do with my life and it's more just about enjoyment and under, not enjoyment but like understanding and yeah I don't want, I don't I want to know the how rather than the why of life and ascension would allow me that so <laughs> you know um and I just think in some way I don't mind how I end but I hope we as people go on long enough to be able to properly understand our, our place and our importance in the universe and how the universe around us works because if we are the only life form like sentient life form out there it's important that we stay around <laughs> because there's a few a few things that I've heard about that fact like Carl Sagan has so many good quotes about it and if I didn't have to choose a song I would have used the pale blue dot like I did the last time we were on your podcast <laughs> <laughs> but I can't use the pale blue dot again So I chose this song Because it has the same kind of vibe Of just uh, What's kind of contemplating ourselves As Carl Sagan said we, we are a way for the universe To contemplate its own its existence itself. Yeah we are a way for the universe to know itself And the closing line of The Enter Shikari song is We are the dust on the stained glass window Trying to comprehend the cathedral and I just think both of them are beautiful metaphors for what we are. So I kind of don't mind how we go out so long as we've gotten uh, a, a a better understanding of, of our importance. And not our importance, our... our Purpose? Place. No, I'd say I'm not... Again, I'm not too concerned with the why. I just... The how? Yeah, if we can understand the how. <laughs> not really anything to do with the end of the
0: earth. Sorry, Dean. <laughs> it's Okay. Now, hope you enjoy your ascension Woo-hoo! can I ascend my cats
2: ascended cats is just dangerous why do you think black holes happen cats knocking shit <laughs> yeah, cat, into cats them knocking... after tearing holes in the fabric of space time yeah. and then knocking everything knocking into knocking mass it. out of the universe yes. <laughs> ascended cats, bad idea
0: and with that they were gone with a clap of thunder in the air Mono and Kira vanished. Could it be they got snapped up by Valhalla? Or did they ascend? Or is it just one of the pesky cats knocking something off and sending them hurling into a black hole of infinity? Or did the internet cut out at the most convenient of times? Either way, thank you to Mono for sharing your story, Kira for making fun of him, and you for listening. You can find the show's socials and things over at TotalCultZone.com Twitter, Insta... Fred's, Mastodon, TikTok, Spoutable, MySpace, Bebo, wherever we are right now. It'll be at TotalCultZone.com. Thank you for listening.